Welcome, friends, to the Able Transition Dreams Fulfilled podcast. Dreams Fulfilled is a space to share honestly, celebrate joyfully, and connect to hope. I'm your host, Kenzie Clark, and I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. Hi, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Dreams Fulfilled podcast. Today, we are so excited as we have the host from the Lucky View podcast here with us today. Hi, ladies. How are you guys? Hi. Hi. Am I doing good? You're doing, and we're doing so good. <laughs> we're good. doing that- good. We have like the, the inauguration is going on as we record. So I've got it like playing in the corner. <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh my goodness. That is amazing. Yeah. I've been, I've had it on, I had a client earlier today. And so I was like trying to tune in, trying to listen all at the same time, um, because it is such a huge and incredibly historic day. Um, so I'm just, it's amazing. Um, well, I'd love for you guys to just quickly introduce yourself to all of our listeners. So they hear who, who they're talking with and who they're listening from. I'm Heather Avis. I'm Micah Boyette. And I'm Mercedes Lara. Awesome. Um, and you guys are incredible mothers, incredible advocates, but I'd love to hear from personally, just from each of you quickly, what did your journey look like coming into the disability community and to being the advocates that you are today? I'll go first. We can go in the same order of our introductions and then we, <laughs> we know what Sounds to do. Good. Um, Kenzie, can you say the question one more time? Yeah. What did it look like for you to get first involved within the disability community? What was that journey like for you? Okay. So I have a credential in special education. I have um, mild to moderate and moderate to severe teaching credentials. And I taught special education at the high school level. Um, I taught resource and a living skills program. So that was my introduction into disability. And I worked mostly with um, teenagers to young adults. Most of my time teaching was a living skills program where we worked on being in the community, living skills, essentially. Um, And then we adopted our oldest daughter, Macy, who has Down syndrome, and she came home at three months old. So then I went from an educator, Mm -hmm. my experience with a disability as an educator with teenagers and young adults to raising a child with a disability. And it is very, very very different. Um, I'm a very different person in both spaces. And I think if I were to go back to teaching, I would be a very different teacher now that I've had a child with a disability. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. I'll share my experience. This is Micah. Uh, I, I, my first, um, my first experience in the disability community was growing up with a friend around the corner who had Down syndrome her name was Carrie and she and my, my other buddy, Malin, we were like the three little girls who played in the neighborhood together. Um, and Carrie was part of my life all the way through high school. Um, so I felt like I had a, a sense of like her life and a sense of Down syndrome. Um, I always kind of had my, my eyes open to what was going on around me, but I didn't consider myself an advocate or um, or like I had a right to like speak in that space. Um, and I just was lucky enough to wake up one morning and be pregnant and find out that that pregnancy, um, was a little boy with 
with an extra chromosome. So uh, Ace was born in 2015. And so for the past five and a half years, I've slowly tiptoed into this space. And um, I think, you know, one of the biggest, uh, the most beautiful parts of receiving ACE in my life was that I, Down syndrome was not new. Uh, Down syndrome was something that I had already, I'd already loved someone with Down syndrome in my life. And that has been a sweet part of my story. That's beautiful. Thank you for, for sharing. Yay. I love that. You ladies are the best. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Mercedes here. And I first was introduced to the disabilities community through, um, my church. They, uh, offered up a room to a wonderful nonprofit called lighthouse. Um, it still goes on today. And this room every Monday night was filled with teens and young adults and older adults with um, different disabilities who would come. And it was basically like, it was basically like youth group and um, meets like a really fun club. (laughs) Like we would dance a lot. Um, It was like, or maybe not a club, like a birthday party. It just felt like a party. (laughs) Anytime I showed up, there was, it was celebrate. We were celebrating and there was no real like cause. It was just that we were all together on a Monday. Um, and it changed my life. I was there as, um, like a peer leader. Um, and we'd go to winter camp, summer camp, we'd have day trips. And then, like I said, um, me every Monday night. And it just Mm -hmm. became such a beautiful, sweet part of my life. And, um, from there I found different ways to like work in that same space. So I was an independent living coach for a little while. Then I, um, was, uh, I always say a friend or a person, but essentially a caregiver to, um, a young woman with Williams syndrome And I don't know, the road just kept going. So I was like, okay, where am I going with this? And I knew that being a part of this community was like forever in my future and adoption. When we thought, when we thought about adopting our first child, um, I first thought adopting a child with Down syndrome and Andy was on board. That's my husband. And we had, had already known Josh and Heather and we had already gotten to see their wonderful story and it seemed a little bit more real and possible. So then Sunflower came into our life and I became a parent of a child with Down syndrome. Wow. Well, thank you all for sharing. I, I think um, you guys have incredible voices in, in this realm. Um, and I know that some of our listeners love hearing you guys on your journeys. Cause I feel like we're always on a journey. Like we're always like learning and unlearning and relearning and being reintroduced and unintroduced to things. Um, and so we just appreciate your voices and thank you guys, um, for being here. And so, you know, we've been talking a lot on our podcast lately about learning and unlearning, um, and how that we are constantly evolving and in the community, right. Um, we had an, uh, a self-advocate on the podcast. And he was like, 
I'm learning and I'm unlearning about myself. And so as we learn as individuals and self-advocates, people who are walking alongside of them, right? Family members, educators, specialists, we need to be a part of that process too. So I'd love to hear from you guys personally, what has the last year with so much going on with racial injustice coming to the forefront, right? The pandemic that's been happening and is still ongoing. What has this last year looked like for you guys specifically in terms of learning and unlearning maybe, and if you about like language, right? Um, learning and unlearning about school, what transition is, what inclusion really means to you guys. What has that been like personally for, for you all? I'll speak to that. Um, I, it, I'm like, as you're saying that, I'm like nodding my head and laughing because I am like in the greatest season of learning and unlearning of my whole life. Hmm. Uh, right maybe, now? Right now. Yeah. Like cool. today. Today. <laughs> today, this moment. Well, not this moment, but more so today than I was even yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I think it is the culmination of being like just the realities of raising a child with a disability, being an advocate in the dis- being an able-bodied neurotypical advocate and ally in the disability space. Mm-hmm. Um, having claimed myself as that with little regard for the people I'm advocating for outside of the Down syndrome community. Hmm. Um, thinking I'm doing all the right things and I'm doing all these great things, even in adoption and adoption advocacy. So there's all of these layers in which I, for so many years, I was doing the best I knew with what I had, Mm -hmm. but I was lacking a lot of unlearning, um, in order to be better as an advocate and an ally in the spaces that I do that. So I, I think that there has been in the last 12 months with the pandemic and with, what's happened in the United States politically and so much has been revealed, right? There was that whole going into the year 2020. It's like 2020 is the year of vision. And I think a lot of people have said, and it has been, but just in a way that was unfortunate (laughs) or unfortunately, this is what it looks like to have clear Mm -hmm. vision. Yeah. Um, And fortunately, because we can move forward, hopefully, you know, and, and fix the start to work on improving and healing. So with that for me, the thing that resonated the most in the last year is how much I have to unlearn Hmm. um, and how much I have yet to learn. And that is a posture of surrender, like a posture of palms up. It's a super humbling. It's a posture of humility and saying I'm wrong. Um, It's a posture of listen, don't speak and less speaking, more listening. It's a posture of I'm going to, I'm going to open myself up. And even if it's so uncomfortable, everything that they're telling me, and even if my knee jerk reaction is to be defensive, to not just to listen. So it, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at in my journey of listening and learning and undoing. And, um, I think it's, I think it has made me a better advocate. Hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't believe you can be an advocate and an ally unless you are first a listener and a learner. Hmm. Wow. Thank you. That was a powerful, like it's just honest and vulnerable. Um, and I think like the humility it takes to be like, man, I was wrong in this regard, in this area and like, and, and actually sitting and and learning. And like you said, that key is, I think so much today we, we talk and we don't listen. And even when we're listening, we're not actively listening. We're like Mm -hmm. listening with like formulating what we want to say back. Um, and what does it look like to man to just sit down and have honest 
humble conversations where we can really listen to each other and learn. Um, and like you said, as a, an advocate and an ally, how do we learn from self-advocates and mm-hmm. from, from the individuals themselves in a way where, where we can really let them lead the charge, right. And do our jobs as, as walking alongside of them and not us trying to, to steer the ship. What about you, you other ladies? Do you have any thoughts on, on what this, this has been like for you this year? Sure. I'll, I'll go. I, I really appreciated what Heather had to say. Um, I feel like she has led the way for the rest of us too. In, um, you know, more recently we had an episode on unlearning some of our own advocacy language and, and, you know, what we've been learning from, from people with disabilities about how they want to be referred to and, and what it means to listen more than to just kind of go with what we've always been doing in the Down syndrome community. Um, I think too, when I think about what I've been learning and unlearning this year, um, I kind of narrow down a little bit more to my life of, of raising my son, Ace, who has Down syndrome and autism. And uh, I, I came to, you know, we've made, a, we made a big change this year as a family where we moved from California to New Jersey. Um, there were a lot of reasons for that, but one of the big reasons was uh, how much more funding there is for special education, being, being able to be closer to our family, getting more support, all of those kinds of things. Um, but in that move, I made a decision after for two years in the public school system, fighting hard for him to be fully included, I made a decision to pursue a, um, a, a self-contained classroom for him. And that was a really, in some ways, like a humbling choice, I think, because I had been very loud and adamant about um, inclusion for him. I threatened a lawsuit to the San Francisco school district for inclusion for him. Like I, I had a big voice and, um, and it started to be revealed to me that he was, he was learning so much better in a one-on-one setting. And I wanted him to thrive in a, an inclusive space with a bunch of kids around and a lot of people to, to, to be, impacted by his presence and for him to be learning from, from the other kids and which I think is still absolutely possible and a powerful and beautiful thing. Um, but I think for me in this moment of his learning and his growth and his needs, it was important for me to see that, um, he needed something kind of toned down. He needed his sensory needs to be met in a way that the, at least what was available in terms of inclusion um, wasn't giving him. And, um, so I think that that's, I don't think that that means I've unlearned my passion for inclusion because I haven't. Um, but I think it means that I have, um, I've gained some nuance and I've gained a better Mm -hmm. understanding of how ACE works and what makes him tick. And, um, and so in terms of my advocacy for him, I think I'm, I'm learning how to take it like a little at a time and, and how to make sure he's getting what he needs. Mm. And I hope that, I hope we'll get out of that self-contained class, um, sometime soon, but right now I'm seeing him thrive. It's really cool. 
That is awesome. And it, the, the hope it gives you to see your, to see your child thrive. Right. And to see their needs met. And I think, um, man, like the schools have a long, long, long way to go in terms of it, instead of dictating, you know, the, the terms of this is what, this is how a child meets our expectations. How can we flip it to be like, we have to meet the expectations and needs of the child. Um, but I digress. There's a long way to go there, but I, I think it's a gift that you have that, like Heather was speaking earlier, you have the posture of like open hands of surrender, like, and caring for, for your child and, and doing what's best for him, I think is, is really important. Mercedes, what about, what about for you? Oh man. So this year learning and unlearning, um, I feel like that we, so, uh, pre pandemic, we were in the newborn phase. So we were kind of homebodies before the pandemic hit. And then we were forced into homebodies again. Um, and so I felt like a big chunk of last year was really looking inward at our family. Um, and I focusing only on motherhood for me, like I wasn't, um, besides the podcast, really doing anything else. My attention wasn't called elsewhere, but on my babies. And, um, that was a really big shift for me to just fall into completely. Um, and, um, I learned a lot about myself as a person who wants to be an advocate, um, as a person who used to want to be a missionary and I still want to be a missionary. I just, I can't right now. (laughs) And, um, all those things that call me away that I feel that are super impactful that I find to be really world changing things, um, outside of the the home, I, um, switched that thinking to my powerful, important role as a mom in the home and resting in that. And I really do feel like, um, that, that stay at home order kind of forced me into that. And then it wasn't a force. It was something that I was just like, ha, thank you. Like, you know, this is a positive. Um, so the pressure to do more wasn't there. And I didn't realize how much of a hold the pressure to do more was on me. Um, so that was something that I learned about myself and then, um, in an unlearned kind of change my thinking way, I really um, embrace and fallen more in love in my role as a mom. Um, and I think too, I don't know um, if it's my like feminist tug, you know, like go and do, you were meant for more. <laughs> and then, but then also my old fashioned ways that are like, oh, to be a mom and a wife is my greatest dream. You know, they're always at, they're at odds sometimes. And I felt like that was revealed to me. And so I don't know, that was my gift and sunflower. We in particular with my daughter this past year of learning and unlearning, I just keep learning at how capable she really is. And I'm just so in awe of her. Um, 
And then an unlearning is how much, even though I find her to be super capable, how much um, of a bubble I still put her in to keep her safe or to keep her doing what I think she should do. So um, I'm unlearning to do that, trust a little bit more. And um, even though I felt like I was believing in her and her full potential, I still was holding on tightly because she's my only girl. She's really cute. So <laughs> um, learning to let go more has been a big one for me. Yeah. It's interesting. I hear that theme of like letting go and all of, and what all of you are saying in certain ways of like that open hand posture. Um, and I think that what's incredible about your podcast and what you guys do is that you allow moms and dads and people and advocates and allies to, to hop onto your space and, and you hold space for them by being your honest selves. And so as you guys learn and unlearn, like man, you're teaching people, but like people are also probably in those same spaces and same patterns that you guys are in, um, for you guys. And for the lucky few podcast, when you guys set about to start the podcast, what was your hope and goal for, for the role the podcast would play, um, in hoping to change, right. To bring about advocacy, um, to support families, kind of what was, what was the goal then? And what do you feel like your hope is now. Um, that was a really kind thing, Kenzie, that you said about the podcast. And I'm glad that that's how it resonates with you. Um, I mean, Micah can speak to this, that she called me and said, Hey, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? And for a long time, my older sister's name is Harmony and Mercedes and I have joked about like, we would be so funny on a podcast. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> what should it be about? Right. Like we could think, we couldn't think of yeah. one thing. <laughs> couldn't think of one thing. <laughs> like what's the thing. Yeah. And then Micah is like, what about a podcast about down syndrome called the lucky few? I'm like, Oh my gosh, obviously, like, <laughs> obviously that's the thing. <laughs> right. And then so I'm like, Mercedes, would you do this podcast? Um, but Micah, harmony. I just booted I her out. Harmony's Sorry, out harmony. Um, <laughs> but Micah, um, you have to share about why, like what the purpose for you was initially. <laughs> well, my first thought, Ace would not let me put a toothbrush in his mouth. And I was so enraged one morning and was like, surely somewhere someone can tell me how you get a, I don't know, was he two? Maybe, I guess he was two. How you get a two-year-old Down syndrome to let you put a toothbrush in his mouth where you don't have to like squeeze their head and hold their arms down and so I was like surely there's a podcast right and so I look all over for a podcast about Down syndrome because I thought if there's a podcast about Down syndrome then maybe they have a toothbrushing episode <laughs> So, um, we've yet to have our own toothbrushing episode. I know. I that, know. That's and, hard. <laughs> I was just going to say, and yet we still have not reached that goal. <laughs> yes, that should have been our hundredth episode. You know, yeah. in, in time for our hundredth episode, Ace actually brushed his own teeth last night, everybody. Okay. He I held the toothbrush that. and he went one, two, three, and then he tapped <laughs> it on the same tap, tap, tap. Yes. So, you know, it's all come full circle. So, I love that. All yeah. that to say that was our original goal. 
And then Heather, <laughs> I think that Heather can speak to how we evolved. Yeah. It, I, there was a part of, we are three moms And when you listen to us, we want you to feel like you are sitting across the table, having a cup of coffee with us. We want you to feel known. We want you to feel seen. And then we've had this incredible opportunity to invite people on. And then, and then it's become like this learning experience, you know, it's like, I need to know about nutrition. Hmm. Who can we have on the podcast? (laughs) Like, I need to know about whatever. And then we get to invite people into this space or around this table with us Mm -hmm. to share their expertise and their experiences. And Um, it, it is, I, and I'll speak just for myself, but I don't know that my goal for the podcast ever was now go be an advocate for our listeners. Mm -hmm. It was more like, uh, me too. Like Mm -hmm. I see you, but then it just, you just invite people into the space and it's so attached to raising a child with down syndrome and maybe even just raising a child with any disability this need to step into this world that questions their value and worth and to say, Mm -hmm. world, you are wrong and let me show you. Mm -hmm. And so I feel so encouraged that moms, I'm hope are listening, parents, caregivers, anybody, you know, is listening and stepping away, feeling empowered towards advocacy. Um, especially because it's not so overtly, it's just like very natural that this mm-hmm. is what we do. And part of, and as a mom, this is, you can do this and we're with you. So I think that it's, that's how it's kind of evolved for me. Um, or that's how I see it, how I've seen it play out. Yeah. What about you, Mercedes? Um, I agree. I love that. Um, I feel like we have successfully held to the approach of like, we are not ex- experts. Mm -hmm. And that kind of goes along Heather with what you were saying that we didn't start this as advocates, like listen to us and do steps that we have done. Like we very much it's conversational and, um, we are always saying we are not professionals at this, you know, we're professionals in our own children. And even (laughs) that I hold loosely, I'm like, kind of, I'm still (laughs) learning. Um, but that we're kind of learning alongside moms and, um, or dads or caretakers that are listening. And I feel like not everybody around the world, around our nation is linked up to, um, a group, another group that understands their same life journey, but then they can hop onto a podcast and be wherever they are at and feel seen and heard Mm -hmm. and join our conversation as listeners. And I think that's really neat. I feel like that's super impactful and such an awesome gift that podcasting, um, gives, you know, this. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's amazing. And I, I mean, I kind of feel like, have you seen the Brene Brown, um, video on empathy mm-hmm. and, um, I love that video. With yeah. The like, yeah. The cartoons and like the guys down in a hole. And he was like, you don't want someone to be like, Oh, Hey, if you're doing okay down there, you want someone to get in the hole with you and be like, I'm here. And, and that's what empathy is. And I feel like that's what you're helping people to do is people are getting right down there with you. Um, and, and I, it's, it's really cool because so in my work, working with families, particularly with who have kiddos ages 15 to 30, um, a lot of them feel really alone. Um, mm-hmm. And especially right now with the pandemic, um, people ha- are, are concerned, especially for some of 
the clients I have that are really medically fragile, right. And these moms were getting on calls and we're planning the future and like, we're creating life goals. Um, but then it, at the beginning of every call we check in and it, and it's this emotion of like, I need people to walk alongside of me. And what does that look like now? How do I find my tribe? How do I find my people? How do I find my community when I feel isolated, when I'm physically actually isolated? Um, and so I think that, you know, I've, you guys are a podcast. I, I give out to people and to moms and to families, because even if they can't physically be near their friends, if they can't physically be near their community, if they can pop people into their ears while they're walking mm -hmm. around, um, while they're carrying their child, while they're helping a lift, while they're helping, um, work on schoolwork right now as so many people are virtually learning. Um, I think it just provides a power of connection and, and it makes you feel like, okay, somebody gets me. I might not be able to physically like give them a hug or a high five, but somebody gets where I'm at. Um, and man, that we need more of that in our world. Mm -hmm. So much more of it. Um, so for you guys as moms, and I know that you guys are in different locations, right? Your kids, everybody's so unique and so different. All of your circumstances are different. Um, for you guys, particularly because I know you've got younger kids and, and school systems and so much happening, what do you feel like right now as you kind of look forward to 2021, right? 2020 was definitely definitely a year of vision. We saw, I feel like it was a reckoning. There was so much reckoning mm. this past year. Um, and I, I've been like hoping and praying for 2021 to be a year of renewal and, and reconciliation um, kind of as we move forward. But with where you are with your families, with virtual learning, I'm sure, um, what is your hope for, for moving forward in your own advocacy roles, but then also with your families and, and your kids, what, what are you, what is your hope for this next year? If you have one. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I'm still holding all the 2020 was, and I think part of it, I don't want to be naive either. Yeah. I like, I don't necessarily see much changing in the next six months at least, but mm -hmm. maybe, you know, and, um, it's, I said it earlier, I just am in such a space of learning right now and undo unlearning and learning. So mm -hmm. that will continue. I'm assuming I definitely within my space of advocacy, I believe and hope that that unlearning and relearning makes me a more, um, well, a more aware advocate and a more powerful is the wrong word I'm trying to, but what's the word I'm thinking of you guys? Um, see, impactful? This is, thank you. Yes. A more oh, impactful, okay. <laughs> a more impactful <laughs> advocate and, and ally. Um, and you know, in all honesty, things are just really hard right now with the kids yeah. and with all the circumstances, just hard mm -hmm. and overwhelming and feeling so isolated in that. And so my hope, um, but for my family moving forward this year is just not, I, I don't want to be like that. I can focus on the good and the joy because I think that that kind of belittles the reality of my circumstances, you know, and the circumstances a lot of people are in, but that I can have, um, that I cannot get lost in the hard, like that it doesn't consume me, but that I can see it for what it is, give it its space that it deserves and, and then continue on towards growth. Mm. That's my hope as a mom. 
And my hope is a wife and my hope is for my family as a whole. Cause I can see with each of my kids and my husband, even like, all right, let's give this the space it needs and then move forward towards growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, holding, for, yeah. Like holding the tension of the two. There's a lot of tension to hold yeah. right now. I think more tension than I've ever had to hold in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, I would love to be like, and I hope that with the tent that I know which way to lean and there's less tension and a little more ease. And of course I hope that I think everyone hopes that, right. We'll all hope for a little more ease, mm-hmm. but I don't, um, I'm more of a pragmatist than I am an optimist. <laughs> I'll leave the optimism to my husband. And so, which I'm super grateful for, but that's where I'm at right now. Like practically speaking, I'm just holding a lot of tension and I want to navigate that. Well, I don't want to wish it away necessarily. Yeah. And I'm going to bring Brene Brown up again. (laughs) She interviewed President Obama on her podcast. And one of her big research thing that she's been talking about lately is for leadership, for people who are advocates, people who are allies, she's finding that great leaders, great advocates, great allies are able to hold the tension. Mm -hmm. She talked about his presidency and him as an individual. He always sees both sides of the coin and holds them equally in tension the like that lament and the celebration at the same time mm-hmm. and the like reality and the hope. And so I, I definitely, I think that it's a hard place to be, but it's like the best place to be and the right place to be, but it's all, yeah. but it's hard. Yes. Oh, and the fact that something I said made you think like compared that to Brene Brown and Obama, I feel like I'm on <laughs> like my best day of the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You've arrived. <laughs> I, th- I, I think kind of going with Heather, I I've been thinking about what hope means hmm. and it not just being this straight trajectory of, um, optimism hmm. you know, that, uh, with that idea of tension, I think that's probably what, especially most parents of children with disabilities have to learn hmm. to understand hope as I just this past week. Ace started trying to verbalize again. Ace has been, has basically always been non-speaking, but he has had these little pockets of time where he tries and it's like his brain lights up and he just wants to go for it. And so I, I yesterday went back through old videos all the way to when he was like 15 months old and found the videos where he was verbalizing. I have one of him when he's a little baby saying, I can't stand. I'm like, say I can stand. And he's like, I can stand. (laughs) It's so cute. But it's, there's like part of my heart just wants to crack open. You know, Mm -hmm. when I see those to be like, how did I have a 15 month old who was trying to say that? And, and I have an almost six year old who doesn't say anything. Mm -hmm. And and, you know, I have these videos of a year ago when he started verbalizing again for a little bit and then, and right around lockdown, it went away again. Mm. And, um, and I say that to say that I think what I've learned about holding hope is that there, it's a little bit like, like the tide. It's a little bit of like, we're going to come forward a little bit. We're going to go back. And, but the story's never over. 
Mm. And even just this week as ACE is like suddenly saying no, like, where is this coming from? You, you haven't said anything for a year. Um, and saying all done yesterday, he was at horse therapy and he just like flung himself off into his therapist's arms and was like, all done. And, and <laughs> so right off the horse. Um, but I, I think, you know, something that Heather said about like wanting to be practical or, or like see it, how it really is while holding hope. I think I'm kind of for the first time looking at it as like, okay, what can we do in this moment while he's like awake to wanting to Mm. make sounds? And if it goes away, like preparing my heart that it might go away Mm -hmm. and somehow living in that as a parent to, to say, I don't love you more when you speak, but also let's go get this. Like, you know, let's go hard kid. Um, yeah. And so I think a little bit, that's a little how I'm seeing 2021 too, Mm -hmm. um, that there's, there's hope for us, but hope does not hope for us as a culture and as a country. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean like, like it's a straight trajectory. Um, Mm -hmm. it's a tide and we'll go forward and back and, but we need to know where we're going. Yeah. Thank you for that. I love that. The picture of a tide. I think that is the reality. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Um, I love you ladies. Sometimes when I'm sitting here and I'm watching you guys, I forget that I'm on the podcast too. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I'm listening. <laughs> Um, but yes, no, I'm part of it. I'm here. And my feelings, I relate with a lot of the ladies, especially in these, I have, um, a one-year-old, a three-year-old, a six and seven-year-old sunflower is my oldest. She's seven and has down syndrome. So we're just very much in a chaotic season of life and the tension that you ladies feel or speak of and feel. I hear you and I'm in it with you in that of like day in and day out and also all the things. Um, and I, for the first time this year, I feel like since I have all this time that I've allowed myself for personal growth, you know, I got the Peloton, I'm part of the Peloton journey (laughs) and I've never been a worker outer. I, prefer to drive than to run. I, um, (laughs) prefer to go on a hike than go to the gym. So having the, a bike, like, I feel like it's, even though it's in my house, sometimes I could go three days before I hop on it, you know, like for like, even though it's easy access, it's not my natural, but when I do, when I spend time reading, whether it's the Bible or another person of influence that has great impact um, and things that resonate with me, just the personal growth thing that can happen through um, constantly learning, constantly pushing yourself to be better, like mentally and physically is so rewarding. And I feel like I'm um, this year, really diving into that a little bit more. And I really like it. And I hope that I can continue that doing that so I can be best equipped for my family so that I can be 
mentally and physically better than my family thriving, not just surviving, which I feel like in these little years I have been as a mom surviving, having more babies, surviving more babies. And so I feel like I have, um, taken steps to break that cycle. And I hope that this next year, um, I continue that I continue what I've, I've learned about the positive effects it has on my life. When I take those steps to be physically active and reading and being aware of my mood and my behavior and my positive changes so that I can press into my kids and my husband positively too. Yeah. Caring for yourself so you can care for others. Well, we're almost out of time. Um, so I have one last question for you guys. Um, at ABLE, you know, we plan for adults and individuals for 20 years down the line. Right. And, um, we touch on every area of adulthood and our goal really is to make sure that the adult has a path forward that they want, where they feel happy, where they feel like, man, I'm going to live a life that I love, but also that parents feel peace and feel a sense of the overwhelming weight lifting just a little, um, a big goal for us that we've been talking about the last year has been, as we, you know, make these path forwards, we care about in the community, having every individual, right. You know, having a seat at the table and just deserving the seat and not having to earn it and not having to get special treatment there, but to be like, no, you have a seat because you're a human, um, no matter your race, no matter your disability, no matter your age, no matter your sex, no matter your religion, right. Understanding that man, we're humans. Um, so for you guys at the lucky few podcast, what do you think it means from your perspective as moms? Um, what would it mean to see your child 20 years from now having a seat at the community table, right? What, what is that? What, what is that? How does that resonate with you? It means everything. I mean, as you're like sharing all this and I'm just speaking for me, I won't speak for the podcast as a whole because the podcast as a whole is three individual women, but, um, the thinking like, you're just talking about that. And it's like, what do I want for my kids 20 years from now? I want my kids to have a sense of belonging, Mm. um, as is, you know, like showing up who they are, a sense of belonging and, and worth and value. That's what I want more than anything for them. And it's, it feels especially um, maybe it makes me feel get emotional because I don't see that now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that breaks me, it breaks me. And so that idea of looking to the future and there's a space for my kids to be exactly who they are and to show up and be embraced and have fine belonging. It, for me, it's everything. It's everything. Thank you, Heather. Anybody else have anything they want to say? I'll just add on to that. I feel like Heather always says it so well. Um, <laughs> I, I really dream of Ace having something that lights him up. I just want him to have a calling mm-hmm. and for him to be able to know what he has to give the world and for him to have the opportunity to give that away. Um, so I, you know, every time I see him playing with his pretend food, I think, oh my gosh, how great would he be at serving food to people and being passionate about, you know, I, there's, there's so many, um, possibilities for all of our kids, whether they have disabilities or not, but I pray and hope that ACE 
can find his something that gives him purpose and joy. Mm. Love that Mercedes. I ditto all of the above. And, um, I love the analogy of a seat at the table. Um, cause for sunflower, I agree with all these mamas. I want the same, like for her to have purpose, to have her, for her to have a sense of belonging, a community that she can count of count on of family and of friends who care for her and, and that she can have, um, apart from me, like me, not orchestrating it, but actual friendships that they seek out each other and mm-hmm. find value in each other. Um, yeah, friendship is a big one. I hope for her in 20 years down the line. Mm, yeah. Well, I think, and you guys know this, but each of your children have strengths, they have dreams, desires, they have abilities and man, what, what hope that we can say, you know, one day, like the hope and the goal really is. And I, I hope with 20 years from now that they can all have a seat at the table, right. That they have the friendships, they can show up as they are, who they are, be loved. And that, um, that the world will be a better place um, because of that. Well, thank you ladies for being here and for lending your voice to our podcast. I know our listeners will love this episode. Um, and we're going to link the lucky few podcast for you guys to head over to listen to all of their amazing content. And thank you guys again for being here. Thank you, Kenzie, for having us. So fun. Uh, Kenzie, this is so great. Bye. Thank Bye. you, Kenzie. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for listening and taking the time out of your day to share a moment with our conversations. If you're enjoying this podcast or it's making a difference in your life, please like, share, and review on Apple Podcasts. Share this with a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, or a family member who might need to hear this today. Remember, today, hold out hope to all of those around you, wherever you may be.